Welcome to the Better Off Bonus Bonus Listener Questions of the Week. The inbox is going insane. It's blowing up. We are readily admitting that. Not all of you want to come on the air. That's fine, too. If you've sent an email to us asking about something going on in your financial life, if you've sent that email to askjill at betteroffpodcast.com, and we have been somewhat remiss in getting back to you, that is because we just have too many. So we are dropping some extra episodes throughout the summer. Uh, The show is sponsored by Betterment, the largest independent online financial advisor. So let's get to some of your questions. Here's Gary, who wants to know, what is a fair fee as a percentage of an account for advisory fees? Um, I have multiple accounts, entities that I oversee, range mostly from solid six figures to seven and eight figures totaling lower eight figures. Everyone do the math with me. Lower eight figures, 10, 11 million bucks. Sounds like that to me. He currently pays 0.7%, a slight reduction from the listed minimum of 0.75% at a large international firm. Should I be able to do better? Hell yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people would be very happy to manage your money and do full financial planning for you on a 10 or $11 million account for a lot less than 0.7%. I would venture to say that at the very least, you should be getting 0.5. And I don't know what the large international firm is doing for you, but I have the sneaking suspicion it ain't worth it. So if you want to call back and uh, or send us a note after you hear this, what I would suggest is you should be shopping around. And also let us know whether they're doing anything else for you, because if if they're throwing in like, oh, we're doing your tax prep also, that might change my mind. But that's too much. Way too much. Next up, Bob asks. I have both a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA. Once a year, I do a conversion from my traditional IRA. IRA to my Roth. I pay the necessary taxes on it. Will I have to take any mandatory deductions for this? What do we mean by that? I think you might mean mandatory distribution. So once you convert a traditional IRA into a Roth, the money that went into the Roth, you've already paid tax on it. So you don't have to take a distribution from a Roth IRA. Whatever it remains in that traditional IRA, when you get to that age of 70 and a half and you are subject to mandatory required distributions, yes, you will have to take it. But if you were to convert the whole thing, Bob, before you got to that age, nope, don't have to. No more distributions. It's actually one of the reasons why we love converting to a Roth, because it can help control what your tax liability is in the future. All right, next, who else do we have here? We've got Brandon. Okay, this may be the youngest. Could this be the youngest emailer that we've gotten? It's pretty close. I think we got someone. We got someone for our radio show who is younger. This may be the youngest podcast email we got. I'm 17 years old. I'm looking to find out how to start a budget for the beginning of my adult life. I'm currently making about $200 a week at my work, and I don't have my own vehicle. <laughs> I love this kid. Uh, look, there's a ton of budgeting apps. There's a lot of different ways to keep track of your money. But the the easiest thing to do is to list out all the things you're paying for right now, put a little line item in for savings, go through it and figure out if there's any way that you want to maybe increase the savings, but keep track of your money more than anything else. And boy, if you're starting at 17, I couldn't be happier. If this is in preparation for college, it's great preparation. 
parents, I would have you encourage your kids to do the very same thing that before they go away to school to do this. Again, there's a number of different apps that can help you manage your money. Go do a little quick search. You'll find them and uh, you'll see some of the categories they create. But really, the first thing to do is to keep track of your own money. Okay, here's a note from Kay who says, quote, I have no clue on my 401k. Here's my situation. Let me just do it quickly here. She's got about $170,000 in checking and savings accounts. 401k, she's ha- has about $110,000. Um, and she also has an old thrift savings plan when she worked for the government of $8,900. So here's the quote. I have no clue on how to invest or how to grow my money. I'm 38. I'm married. I've got three kids. Minimal credit card debt. I owe less than $800. I usually pay it off. Okay. So by the way, you got a bunch of money in cash. Never, ever, ever should you carry credit card debt. High credit score. Uh, where should I start? Um, I make $120,000 a year. I've got a mortgage. 401k at my current job is principal lifetime 2040. It has earned 0.24%. That doesn't seem like it's growing. Okay. So what you have in your 401k is a target date fund. Essentially what the investment company is doing is saying, based on when you think you're going to retire, we'll manage the account to that date and maybe even through that date. I think the issue may be that the principal, which is probably an annuity contract inside of your retirement account, Um, may have other options that could be better for you, especially because you do have a bunch of money in there, $110,000. So maybe the best thing that you might be able to do is to just choose inside your 401k, put half the money in a stock index fund and half the money in a bond index fund. And if that is sounds crazy and you can't figure it out, send us a like even a picture, but just take a picture of the choices that you have for your 401k and we can help you allocate it. So hopefully that helps you. Thanks so much for writing, Kay. All right. Daniel writes, I love your podcast and I enjoy listening. For the last couple of years, I've been maxing out my 401k in the first half of the year. So instead of contributing smaller amounts throughout the year, I just contribute the entirety of my 18500 in the first half of the year. It's usually done by May. My thought is that it gives my money more time in the markets with the hope of greater returns in the long run. Am I making a mistake and potentially losing out on dollar cost averaging? Should I change the strategy to take advantage of dollar cost averaging or am I doing the right thing? Many thanks, Daniel. Well, Daniel, this is a great age-old conversation among investors. Which is better? Now, of course, most people can't afford to do what you're doing. They need to make the dollar amount smaller so that they can do all the other stuff that's going on in their lives. But when you have the choice, is it better to front load? Absolutely, it is better. Even if the stock market were to tank the the day after you finish putting that 18500 because you're investing for the long term. And so by and large, even accounting for super duper market corrections, crashes, whatever you want to call it, because you're investing for so far in the future, generally speaking, lump sum investing is better than dollar cost averaging. The big problem that a lot of people face, however, is that they're so freaked out about losing That if they were to just do that lump sum and the market were to go down, they don't necessarily trust themselves that they'll stay in the market. It sounds to me like you will. So I think it's great. Keep doing it. That's a perfect way to approach it. 
presuming your cash flow is consistent and you can afford to do all the other stuff in your life. And finally, we got a note from David, which I think so many people can relate to. Hi, Jill. My father is aging and he's retired. He's got a house and he probably could use some financial advice. He won't listen to me or any of his kids on matters of what he should do with his house or his money. I'd like to connect him with someone that could speak some reason into him. It is hard to talk to an elderly parent who doesn't want to take advice. So what I have found works really well is to slowly approach the topic when it becomes relevant. In other words, when you harangue your parents, it's the same thing. If they harangue you about stuff, you hated it, right? But you can open the door by trying to sort of weave in certain things. Hey, I was listening to this podcast with this uh, certified financial planner named Jill, and uh, she was talking about how people need to be reviewing their estate documents, or it's really good to get an outside set of eyes, or maybe if your aging parents are working with a CPA or a lawyer, that, that you bring a third party in, that to me has been the most successful way to approach it. So I think that if you were to kind of proceed gingerly, don't bug, don't bug, don't bug them, okay? Because there's only so much that person is going to do if you bug them. And, you know, every so often bring it up. And if they don't do anything and they push back real hard, then leave it alone. You know, you still got to have Thanksgiving. That's my theory. So that's it. That's our bonus bonus listener questions of the week. You can subscribe to Better Off anywhere you get your podcasts. Radio.com, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you find those favorites. And you can go to JillOnMoney.com to read more about the stuff we're talking about and sign up for our free newsletter. Send us your questions. Ask Jill at betteroffpodcast.com. Thanks to all of you who listen and send us notes every single week. We drop our new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday and sometimes one on a Saturday. Our music is composed by Joel Goodman. Mark Telercio is the executive producer. We are distributed by Cadence 13 and we're sponsored by Betterman. See you next week. 